T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Camelot's at your service on a Tuesday night. George Sells back with you up until 10 o'clock. A report was released today, and the headline is something that might surprise you. You should find troubling, uh, and hopefully uh, is something that's going to lead to some solutions. It talks about conquering the St. Louis digital divide. It outlines the steps necessary to bridge the gap, but the scary part is just how big this divide is, talking about hundreds of thousands of people in our city and county who either don't have access to a device to get on the Internet or to the Wi-Fi or broadband uh, to hook their device up. And if you think about all the things out there that you can't do anymore without internet access, this all adds up to being a very big economic problem. Joined now by Kathy Osborne. She's president and CEO of the Regional Business Council. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us here on KMOX. Happy to be here, George. Thank you. This is one of those things, I I always use the analogy, back when I was working in news and you would cover uh, a tornado going through someplace and you would see these poor people like watching the sun come up over what was left. And the the question in your mind is, oh, my God, where do they even start? And that almost seems to apply to this when you look at the, some of these numbers, uh, 250 to 300,000 households in St. Louis City and County lacking access to fiber services, 150,000 households where they struggle to afford any kind of broadband. Uh where do you start? Well, I think the St. Louis Community Foundation and the Regional Business Council, we came together because of a, a concern about this digital divide. And frankly, it's been around for a decade or more. But it's such a massive problem, George, and you really you know, kind of hit the nail on the head there. In the sense, it's such a big problem. Sometimes you, you, you don't want to look at it because you don't know how to solve it. And so what we did is we came together and we had a number of other partners involved and we thought the first step was to analyze it, get the data, really figure out where is the, where are the problems, what's the nature of the problems, uh, and what's the scope. So what this study is really about is defining that. So you sort of need to know exactly where the problems are and, and before you can really say, how do we begin to, make, to solve things? And I, for me personally, RBC was very involved, and in, we've been very involved in education since the beginning. But as COVID hit, we, we got 
uh, real involved because we had some concerns about how many children were going to be educated at home. And what if you didn't have this technology? And it was there that I really realized that something had to be done. We, we can't go on to have homes where they don't have the, the, the access to the technology. They don't have then the computer that's available. And, and probably a bigger part for a lot of these families is they don't have the, 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 necessarily the adults in the family who know how to access that technology themselves. And think about it, George. There, there's millions of children who go home at night and their homework assignment is done on a computer. Or frankly, their parents get access to what, how they're doing in school through the computer. If you don't have that, how are we going to have equitable education? We're not. And that is obviously a big, big concern. I, my day job in the uh, education world, is uh, this is something I see on a daily basis. And the, while it, it was kind of a double-edged sword with the pandemic from the standpoint that it really illustrated what this problem is in very stark terms that you just laid out. Uh, so many families that didn't have access. But it also, it began to illustrate uh, a route to solving the problem from the standpoint that large companies, community groups, and others kind of came together and threw resources at the problem. All of a sudden, Spectrum is handing out hotspots to anybody who could demonstrate a need, or they're giving out, or they're giving out uh, free Wi-Fi service. They come in and install the service that you're used to paying for through the cable company. You had other companies. Verizon was big in donating devices to St. Louis Public Schools, as an example. Uh, and there are many others. I don't want to leave anybody out, but that's just the one that comes to the top of my head. So does this sort of community slash business, you know, come together and be charitable, basically. Is that a big part of the answer? Yeah, I think the answer is knowing what the problem is and facing it. This is the first step. So we're going to be educating a lot of people about that, getting their input. And I think the second part, I think the scope of it is too large to say, well, let's just go get donations. I think we're going to have to have the federal government state and local governments, along with the private sector, do you know what I'm saying, and the schools, and the libraries, uh, and, and the churches, uh, and the youth centers, to really come together and figure out what needs to be done and how do we do it. Uh, frankly, in some communities, perhaps the best alternative is to set up uh, sites that, are, that, that people can walk to where the technology is available and that there's somebody there who can actually help with the access to that technology and showing them how to use it, how it works in a safe environment. And, and, and so I think we just need to come together and figure out what's the role of each one of these. And you're right. Uh, I'll give you another example. AT&T did a, a lot of really significant things here in St. Louis, but at the end of the day, we've got to figure out, it's not only just getting it set up, but who's going to pay it monthly? Who's going to pay it a year from now? Do you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you know, with the mobility rate of a lot of people who live in some of our more fragile neighborhoods, you know, they might be in one area this, this, this month and another area six months from now. I will say that, it, in my opinion, the schools did a remarkable job. I mean, it happened in a second. Nobody knew it was coming, and when it came, it came fast. And so many children two years ago, I guess it was 20, were sent home. Yep. So all of a sudden, you've got to have schools adapting. You've got to figure out what to do. 
Um, but it was particularly a challenge in the kind of neighborhoods we're talking about. So schools like Riverview Gardens and Jennings and Ferguson Florissant, the St. Louis Public School System, those schools really had a problem on their hands because often the school is the safest place for children to be. And that's where a lot of the, the structure occurs. So what we know now, unfortunately, is that the, 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 the test scores across our state and I suspect across the country, have gone down dramatically, but particularly in the neighborhoods that, that we're now taking a look at and have the data on where they don't have access to that technology. Um, so it's complicated. Um, I, I'm, I'm hopeful we can't do it all at once. It's not going to happen next year. But I think once you take a hard look at it, you can't turn away. And I do think we potentially could be more competitive uh, tomorrow, for instance, I'm meeting with the uh, head of the uh, technology department for the city of St. Louis. Um, you know, uh, I know the mayor, and I'm assuming the county executive is looking at the issue. And now we've got a plan. We can tell you here. Here's the homes where you have issues. And uh, obviously, I've kept the corporate sector and the foundation sector up to date. So in answer to your question, it's a tough one. It's not going to happen in a second. It's going to take a lot of money. Um, but I think it's something now we've faced and, and, and we have to we have to do something about. And this is the cities. It's also a lot of rural areas. There was discussion as different ideas were being thrown around uh, when the president was working on his infrastructure package. And there was talk of an approach toward getting broadband, getting Wi-Fi to everyone nationwide. Uh, low-income areas, rural areas, out-of-the-way places, that uh, it would take a sweeping operation, if you will, or project, if you will, that was on par with the electrification of, of rural America during the Depression in the in the New Deal for President Roosevelt. Well, no, you're you're exactly right, and uh, we decided to focus on the city and the county. And frankly, it's it's it it's this was a, a we we E and Y uh, the uh, uh, consulting company did this for us. Why? Because they are nationally interested in the interest in the issue around digital divide, particularly around educational issues. So they had a number of a lot of expertise, but it, it was it was a costly study to do. And we decided, well, let's focus on the city and county. Because we knew that that there was a lot of children, particularly children of color, living in some of those neighborhoods, but the rural areas, there's no doubt about it. And it, it you know, it, it used to be, did you have phone service? Do you know what I'm saying? Right. And, right. and RBC, a number of business groups, advocates for infrastructure, and we typically think of that as being roads, bridges, air, rail, et cetera. Well, you know, this is this is the new infrastructure. And so I think just as the federal government and the local governments have put an effort on infrastructure, uh, in the traditional sense, we also need to look at it in terms of the technology. And, and that's really what this is about. And we'll be educating our, uh, all of our uh, federal delegation others on the issue and, and seeing what can be done. Well, there's a lot, obviously, to work with here, and it's something that, as you said, isn't going to happen quickly. But, folks, get ready to hear from Kathy more often as we go forward on this. The Digital Divide is a project you can read much more about at www.stldigitaldivide.org. And Kathy Osborne, thank you so much for joining us here on KMOX. 
Thanks so much, George. Take mm-hmm. care. And it's 917 KMOX is at your service. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. KMOX at your service on a Tuesday night. George Sells with you up until 10 o'clock this evening. And... We can't get through any kind of talk radio without some discussion of the slap heard around the world. Of course, Will Smith and Chris Rock, their dust up on the Oscars has been well documented. But what I'm interested in talking about tonight isn't so much what happened between them, though there is some relevant discussion there. But I also want to talk about what got lost or what got overshadowed by what happened on that stage on Sunday night. Joining me to talk about it, Diane Carson. She is a professor of film at St. Louis Community College, Merrimack. And Diane, thank you for joining us on KMOX. I'm happy to do it. I, I actually am retired, but I still do film reviews for KDHX and for the Alliance of Women Film Journalists. You're keeping busy. This is excellent. I, I, yeah, people keep telling me I need to look up that word, retired. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me this. Uh, You're sitting there watching the Oscars like so many of us were on Sunday night. And this is a two-part question. What was your overall feeling of the things you wanted to talk about before that incident happened? And what was your feeling after that incident happened? Yeah, exactly what you said in terms of how it overshadowed everything else. I mean, I was much more interested in talking about CODA, of course, which won two other awards, and of course, the Best Supporting Actor as well as the Best Picture. We didn't have Best Picture yet when the slap happened. Um, I was interested in talking about that. Even with um, King Richard, what, what really pains me is that Serena and Venus were there. And they are, I'm a real tennis fanatic. In fact, I just came back from a week at the Parabas Tennis Tournament watching six days of nonstop tennis. I mean, I, I really love tennis. I have seen them play there. I have seen them play each other. And their story is so amazing. I wanted them to take center stage. I wanted them to get a lot of the, of the praise 
that they deserve for what they have done. They were advocating for equal pay for women in tennis way before anybody else was, especially Venus as she started and then Serena. And, you know, they've just done so much. I really wanted it to be a moment for them. So that that was part of my disappointment. But also, um, the you know, Ariana DeBose, that, that was an important moment also, that here is the first person, you know, number one, that she won for the same role that Rita Marino won for in 1962. But also, as she said, you know, that she is the first woman of color who is also gay who won this award and her speech was quite inspirational she said to anybody who has ever questioned your identity ever 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 or you find yourself living in the gray spaces i promise you this there is indeed a place for us and that was a very moving moment and there was there was so much to the program you know there were obviously the the Oscars folks have been having their concerns about ratings going down and that sort of thing, and a lot of talk about the pace of the show and this and that. And they did some things to to speed it up a little bit, I guess. But they really, it seemed like, and I was thinking this to myself as I was watching this, they've kind of got a gold mine on their hands this year. I didn't know if it was going to impact ratings or not, but mm-hmm. what they did at least have was a number of compelling storylines before obviously what became the main storyline happened. So they were they were already starting to move into a place where they were going to have a good leg to stand on as far as speaking to the relevance of the Oscars again, because a lot of people were debating that. And then this happened, and uh, it turned into a clown show. Yes, exactly. And that's always the problem when something like this overshadows many more important topics. I, I honestly wish they had done a little bit more. The Oscars had done a little bit more on Ukraine. But, you know, that, that was something that there were a couple of moments, but not a whole lot. Um, I was sorry we didn't get those eight early awards that just got sandwiched in very quickly, but at least those people got recognition. Um, as you say, there were so many things that were important. Uh, Jessica Chastain's speech was, was quite moving. Um, there were so many things that needed to have some attention and just got overshadowed. That's, that's the sadness of it all. And the other thing I think is interesting now, and tell me if you agree with this. this was, I was part of one of the many water cooler conversations you know, yesterday morning and today uh, about this. And what has kind of leapt into my head, and this is the old journalist in me talking, uh, is that Will Smith in a five-second incident and a snap decision, to some degree rewrote his obituary. Because, mm-hmm. his, because his, the, the first line of his obituary was going to be, uh, you know, rapper, television star, huge box office smash, third African-American to win Best Actor in the history of the Academy Awards. Yeah. But now it's going to be that, those things... And the man who notoriously slapped Chris Rock across the face for cracking a joke about his wife at the Oscars. He rewrote his obituary and really overshadowed his own accomplishments in doing it. You're, You're absolutely right. Everything else is now going to be a sidebar as opposed to the main headline. And I have to say that many other people behaved extremely well, and I'd like them to get a little attention. Um, You know, Chris Rock could have reacted much more 
uh, angrily than he did, and I, I thought he held it together quite well. And we didn't see it, but evidently in between when that happened and, of course, things went. I, I didn't know when it happened if it was real or not. I don't know if many other people thought that. I thought, is, is this supposed to be kind of funny? Was this staged? And, of course, then the screen went to a freeze frame, and I thought, no, 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 this, this was not planned. This was, it wouldn't have been funny anyway, but, you know, this was not, not planned. But um, evidently between that and when they came back, Denzel Washington took him over to the side, and, oh, to the side of the stage and really talked with him. And, you know, all credit to Denzel. And, in fact, when uh, Will Smith then did give his Best Actor speech, he, he acknowledged that. He even said what Denzel had said to him about, you know, at your highest moment, the devils will come and get you. Um, so there were some other people who I'd like to see get some positive credit for how they handled this. So at the end, the question becomes, uh, are the Oscars or the Academy Awards better off today than they were last week as you go into next year. There's always, mm. it seems like there's an annual discussion of the relevance of the program. Uh, yeah. the, the cynics will say any press is good press, and we're still talking about it two days later. Uh, but you have, to, you have to wonder, was this a positive? Was this a negative? Or are we just kind of in the same place with the Academy Awards? I, for me, it's, it's a negative. I mean, it's just, it's so unfortunate to see something like that happen. And that, and exa- I mean, you used exactly the right word in terms of how it overshadows everything. And it, it will be kind of the, the ghost in the theater next year. And, of course, everybody will probably be reminded that they better be on their best behavior. Supposedly there was some talk back, backstage about taking Will Smith out of, the, out of the auditorium. So the ghost will be in the theater next year, but will Will Smith? We'll have to find out. That, yeah. <laughs> Diane Carson, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with us tonight here on KMOX. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And let's all go to the movies. It's 9.30 and KMOX is at your service. And it's Tuesday night, KMOX at your service. I'm George Sells with you up until 10 o'clock. Funny story. I was sitting in a place having lunch a couple of weeks ago. One of the old spots in South City. And it's one in the afternoon. And I look over toward the bar, and I notice that there is not an empty seat at the bar. There are two sets that have different horse races on. Uh, Another two sets that had uh, college basketball. I think some of the uh, tournaments were going on uh, for the different conferences at that point. And I'm looking over there and I'm thinking to myself, somewhere sitting at that bar is a bookie. Because that's the way it's always been. You remember going back to... My, I remember my days as a kid, even uh, being with my parents, and you could tell where the guys gathered around the TV betting on games were. That is changing in this country, and it may be on the verge of changing in Missouri. The bookies may be in trouble. <laughs> we're joined right now by Senator John Rizzo from the Kansas City area, one of the sponsors of a bill that would legalize sports betting in the state of Missouri. Senator Rizzo, welcome to KMOX. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And tell me. My little story there, uh, we're not going to see much of that anymore if this goes through. And call me crazy, but I don't think I've seen this much bipartisan support on much of anything. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, look, hey, we've been very successful in sports. Luckily, in the state of Missouri, the last probably 10 years, the Cardinals have won a World Series, the Royals have won a World Series, the Chiefs have gone to multiple Super Bowls and won one. And for the life of me, I can't figure out, and I think people in the state of Missouri can't figure out why I can go to a casino and lose $1,000 playing blackjack but can't bet 50 bucks on whether or not Albert Pujols is going to be able to hit 700 home runs this year. And so, you know, I think the the, the common sense is starting to prevail down here in, in, in regards of, uh, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense that you can gamble on some things but not on sports. And uh, hopefully this year we can get the trains moving in the right direction and we can get it done. How much does it hurt also when the, in a market like St. Louis? I mean, if you flip on a sports radio station, you are inundated with ads for the different uh, casino sports books that are right across the river in Illinois. And uh, I believe the number I saw was you know, potential for $100 million in tax revenue out of this uh, should this bill pass in Missouri in its first year. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I see the ads myself, and I'm watching football on Sundays or when I was, and, and, and you know, when I watch baseball during the week, I mean, uh, you, you know, you have DraftKings and you have Caesars and MGM and all these people are running ads nationally. And obviously, uh, as Missourians, we can't participate because the Republican legislature hasn't allowed us to pass anything just yet. But uh, I'm hopeful that, that we can all get on the same page this year and, and maybe do something. But it is definitely a, a game that we have to keep up in. Uh, Illinois has already done it, and uh, we're obviously landlocked and surrounded by other states that are, that are either doing it or looking at doing it. And uh, we don't want to get left behind. What has changed? Because I can remember my background is as a reporter, and I can remember back in the early 90s covering the, the first riverboat casinos opening in Louisiana. And back then, they were mortified even to go that far, and you had Republicans saying that God was against it, and you had Democrats saying that all these gamblers were going to go crazy and end up at asylums and killing themselves, and Everybody seemed to have a reason to say that gambling was bad. And now here we are 30 years later, and it's, it's sailing through the Missouri legislature. What do you think changed in people's attitudes over that period of time? Because, to be honest about it, the potential pitfalls haven't really changed. Yeah, no, uh, it's interesting you say that because last night I actually, we got done with session kind of late, and I drove down Missouri Boulevard, which is kind of the main thoroughfare here in Jefferson City, and I've been in and out of Jefferson City since I was a kid for one reason or another. And I, I was with a friend of mine, and I looked at him, and I said, who would have ever thought on Missouri Boulevard, the main thoroughfare in Jefferson City, there would be a place where you can go buy legal marijuana? And I think that people's perspectives and ideas on the things that have been taboo for a very long time, uh, people are starting to realize that some of that may have been overplayed and uh, that there may be remedies to a lot of these different things that uh, have been controversial for a very long time. And, uh, you know, when it comes to sports betting or gambling in general, obviously we haven't seen the, the, the gloom and doom that was prescribed in the 90s to, sports, uh, to, to riverboat gambling. And I think we're seeing other states, when they're legalizing uh, sports gaming, not see all of the uh, bad things that are being ascribed to people come to fruition. It literally is just somebody betting 50 bucks or 100 bucks for the most part uh, on a game. And the, the, the idea that, that there's going to be these uh, massive amounts of people that are going to lose their homes or, or their livelihood, of course we have to make sure that we have a contingency plan to help people that, that can't control themselves. But at the same time, the overwhelming majority want this as an option.
Let's talk about the bill and where it is. It comes out of the House. And uh, one thing that I noticed in just some cursory reading about it is the fact that the the taxes on the casinos are much lower for sports betting than they are for uh, their regular ga- gambling handles, down like at 8%, which is less than half, I believe, of what those numbers were uh, for regular gambling. Do you think it should stay like that, or so, should the state be kind of cutting into that uh, profit revenue from the casinos a little bit more? Uh, you know, I, I think that obviously that you know, in the state of Missouri, gaming and gambling money always goes to education. So I would like to see it maybe stay around that area, but it's going to be decided throughout the process. To say that it's going to stay at eight is probably a misnomer. It may go to ten. It may it may move around, but that's just going to be on what the body decides. But I definitely believe that the that if we are going to have something like that, we should use it to. Um, for uh, education and, and what we have done. We shouldn't sell short uh, our schools and teachers that are already having a tough time uh, making ends meet. So uh, if we are going to do this, it should fall similarly in line to what the casinos are already doing. Uh, but we could live with anything. Anything is a plus at this point, right? We're getting a lot of zeros because we haven't done it at this point. So even if it is 8 or 10, uh, it's 8 or 10% of something that we weren't getting nothing of before. Did we take too long on this? After all, the Supreme Court essentially legalized sports betting back in 2018, and it's just now, four years later, that we're talking about legislation that looks like it's got a shot at passing. Were we too slow? Uh, Obviously, I think that the people, and myself included, would have liked to move a lot faster. Uh, But this is one of those things where you're you're, you're creating a new industry. So you're, you're trying to set the guardrails. Uh, that will last for decades and for a long time. So would I have liked to have moved faster? Absolutely. I think the people of the state of Missouri would have liked to move faster. But I would also uh, rather get it right uh, than move quickly. So if if it takes us a little bit longer to get it right and have the guardrails and, and a model that will last for decades, I understand that, but uh, I think we're brushing up against our patience with the state of Missouri, with the people of the state of Missouri, and and we should get it done. On the get it right front, you've had roughly 30 other states to look at. What have you learned? Is is there one thing that jumps out at you like, yeah, we're not going to make that mistake, or yeah, we're going to do that differently and it'll be better? Well, you know, the biggest thing that is different from from when I was, uh, you know, a younger man betting on things is this stuff is all uh, done on an app. You know, it's done on the phone now. And so we're going to have to figure out exactly what that uh, looks like, because, you know, I think of the traditional in Las Vegas, sitting at a sports book, watching games all together. And uh, what I've noticed in these other states is a lot of times it's maybe you go and deposit money at the sports book at a casino or wherever it may be, and then you bet on your phone from wherever it is you want to bet from uh, within, obviously, the jurisdiction of the state. So, you know, that that's one thing uh, that, that I'm interested in trying to figure out what fits best for us as a state is, is it the in-person where you kind of have this kind of old-school Las Vegas model where you go to the casinos, you stay at the casinos, you have kind of a day there, you watch March Madness from dusk till dawn like I did a few weekends ago, and, and you bet on games, or is it a model of do you go and you give the, the, the cashier $200 or $100, and then it loads onto an app, you can go home and then bet on the uh, uh games from your comfort of your home and then if you want to collect you go back in so i'll be really interested to see how we can figure out how the new technology in gaming and gambling and sports betting 
uh, comes into effect with this. Are you worried this is going to change how we watch sports? From the standpoint of you're no longer sitting there rooting for, in your case, the Royals, in my case, the Cardinals, but maybe you're rooting for them to win, but wait, don't win by too much, or I need that guy to hit a home run, or in a football game, no, you can't get to the over, stop, quick tackle my homes. <laughs> no, I mean, look, if anything, it's going to make that Jacksonville Jaguars uh, game more interesting, right? I would argue. If anything, it's going to take the games that were meaningless before that nobody ever watched, and if it's the only one on, I could see it getting more uh, ratings. So I think, if anything, it's going to increase more viewers uh, into sports. But I, I don't worry about it having an effect on sport because you know as well as I do there's a lot of probably a lot of people out there that are uh, already betting uh, illegally or on the what I would consider a gray market website uh, that, that they can kind of finagle their way around to, to do it. So I, I don't think it's going to have an adverse effect to sport. And I think that if it does, that, that uh, the billionaires that run uh, the leagues will, will make adjustments pretty quickly. I was going to say very quickly, do you think we're going to see uh, sports books in uh, Bush Stadium and Kauffman Stadium before this is all said and done? Look, I think especially uh, in, in, in the NFL, I think that they have an absolute um, – reason to want to have one in there because they are competing against uh the at-home viewer um i have lots of friends and, and you know i'm i'm one of them from time to time i would rather sit in the comfort of my own home and watch a game and if it means that i have more options uh to watch the game from the comfort of my home when i'm betting uh you're going to get a lot of people that are going to stay at home and watch a game instead of go to a stadium and watch one game, right? They're going to watch multiple games from their TV in their house versus going to Bush Stadium and maybe watching one game. So the only way to, I would argue, to offset that is to have a sports book or, or some sort of area in, a, in, in the stadiums that actually has multiple games on to make sure that the people that still want to go to Bush Stadium can enjoy the Cardinals playing the Giants, but also be able to go out and check on making sure that the Cubs are losing because they bet against them and they probably want the Cubs to lose anyways. <laughs> a very good analogy, and we'll close with that. Johnny Knuckles sitting at the end of the bar in South City. Your days may be numbered as a bookie because it sounds like this train is coming down to the tracks. Senator John Rizzo from Kansas City, thank you so much for taking some time with us this evening. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. This was fun. Coming up on 947 KMOX, at your service. on a Tuesday night. I'm George Sells with you. KMOX at your service coming down the stretch toward 10 o'clock. A couple of headlines caught my eye today. Things to talk about. First of all, when you say Ledoux and Starbucks, you don't tend to think unions. But that is exactly what we may be looking at. The workers at the Starbucks in Ladue have on Lindbergh have filed to unionize. And this is something that is going on around the country uh, at various Starbucks locations. Apparently uh, a few hundred of them have been organized by a group that started this whole thing in Buffalo. Yes, they started unionizing the Buffalo Starbucks and it's caught on. So uh, they are working toward this end now from the at the Starbucks in Ladue. Uh, three in Kansas City have done this. So it's happening around the Midwest as well. And they're saying they think there's more to come. And what's interesting about it to me is just what we might see as far as a pendulum swing. 
it looked like unions had kind of breathed their last gasp. Certainly didn't seem like they have had a whole lot of power in recent years. I think the what a lot of people interpreted as the death knell came during the Great Recession when everybody was happy to just hold on a job, hold on to a job, and they gave up everything. But now we sit in an environment where unemployment is very low and job openings are going through the roof. Good workers are hard to find. They're harder to keep. And we may be in a situation where with workers having that kind of leverage in many industries that we start seeing organized labor stepping in and playing a bigger role once again. They've got the leverage now all of a sudden. It went from corporate America holding all the cards to uh, them going back to suddenly needing some people. So it's going to be interesting to watch and see if little things like a Starbucks on South Lindbergh organizing into a union uh, if it turns into something that is uh, indicative of a bigger picture. And finally, I'll tell you, if you're, it's 9.54, 9.53, now 9.54. And if you're getting ready to watch the news at 10 o'clock, I'll give you a quick uh, hint as to what you're gonna, going to see. 12-year-old and a 10-year-old playing with a gun in North St. Louis. The 10-year-old was holding it. The 10-year-old fired it. The 12-year-old is dead. And this comes just on the heels of another shooting involving a couple of young kids earlier, about a week ago, that also had fatal results. And it just, what are we doing here, folks? We cannot allow this to normalize. I think too many people have seen all this happen too many times and and it's on the news every other night. It feels like you lose track of what happened when this cannot be allowed to become normal. And I'm I'm looking at my social media feed, Lieutenant Colonel Troy Doyle, who you've probably heard of. uh, I hate reading these stories. If you may be in need of a gun lock, please let me know. That's the one thing. Folks who have guns need to do a better job of taking care of them because a 10-year-old and 12-year-old shouldn't have access to one. That's solvable. You can get a free gun lock anywhere. And if, you don't have, if you're going to have a gun and you don't have a gun lock, go get one. won't cost you a thing. People will jump, will fall all over themselves to give you one. The crime aspect, of course, is another major issue that we don't have time to get into. But, folks... We can't let this become normal, and it's feeling a little too much like it is. I'm George Sells. This has been KMOX at your service. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? 
Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.